I am sitting on your hat. Episode ten made it to ten. We're the number ten. Number big, ten. Big ten now. Um, I'm Troy, and this is Andy. Okay, uh, so to for today's topic, um, I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about music because you and I have very different experiences and feelings and and um thoughts on music we do and this is something we mentioned almost from the get-go when uh you know the kind of things we really enjoy yes and uh music for me has always been an enjoyment yes i mean it's it's an escape for me it's it's a refuge Mm -hmm. it's um can be something it's a release yeah you know there's just it's all I use it everywhere. <laughs> yes, you've been ensconced in music for I quite some ensconced. time. Well ensconced. Um but for me it's such a different when when I when I talk to people about music, it's such a different um feeling and experience for me because I just I don't view music the way most people do. Okay. I don't I mean except for a band like the Beatles or yeah. even the Foo Fighters, who my second favorite band of all time. Yeah. I don't I can't really hear music and just like lose myself in it. Okay. I've never been able to do that. Yeah. I like music obviously because I'd be weird if I didn't. Yeah. But it's never been like a deep, meaningful experience to me. And I don't know why. I don't know why that that connection never really happened. Um, I mean, we we talked about it before. If if I'm in the car, I'm listening to podcasts or I'm listening to YouTube videos. I very, very, very rarely listen to music. And that's right. not saying I never do. There that's are not your first choice. Yeah, right. Yeah, there are songs I will listen to. Um, like I'll get on YouTube and listen to songs, but no, it, it's not my go-to. And it, it's it's the same thing. I've been talking to Lady Wife about this as well, which is she's the same way. Yeah. It's like if it's in the background, fine, but she's not going to sit down and specifically like seek out an artist that she likes and just listen to right. listen to songs. Right. She won't do it because that's not where she finds enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is enjoyable while it's playing or if she hears it and mm-hmm. it's something that she enjoys, she'll hear it in the background. But she won't specifically sit down and like listen to you know chord progressions or lyric meanings or right you know yeah you know how the harmony is. Whereas that's exactly what I do. It's I will sit there like like let's say I'm in the midst of like a workout in my shed and I got music going and a song pops up that I haven't heard for a while, and I think that I can figure out a chord or something on the keyboard. I'll stop what I'm doing, <laughs> turn my keyboard on, and try mm-hmm. to figure it out. You sent me a video. You were right. doing that exact same thing. Right. Because I, I heard a song, Modern English, I'm mm-hmm. with you, and I'm like, this sounds like it's only two chords. And so I sat down and just quickly figured out what chords those were, and sure enough, that's all it is. Yep. And so I, I find that kind of thing fascinating, and, and that's what really keeps drawing me to music, is like how those things become popular, how you know something as simple as a two-chord progression will you know meld into the public consciousness and just persist yeah something so simple yeah you know that it it that it can still linger like that so see and and music to me it's such it's almost like when people talk about it it's almost like a foreign language because um 
like it even though i'm i'm a very creative person that side of creativity just never it never clicked with me like yeah. i don't i cannot for the life of me figure out how somebody can write a song yeah i mean i get the melody and chords and stuff like that but then to go in you know and and do lyrics and sing lyrics right. within that certain chord yeah do not understand it <laughs> whatsoever i i it's yeah it, it it's 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 beyond me that's funny what's funny is that john lennon has actually said he was talking to david bowie david bowie asked him you know about songwriting yeah and john lennon said it's the easiest thing he said you write what you know you make it rhyme and you put a backbeat to it yeah and that's all it is. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, is it that easy, though? It's not. You know, maybe for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for us, you know, our, you know, these, us as laymen, just sitting down trying to make anything rhyme mm -hmm. is hard enough. Yeah. You know, to get out what you're feeling and then make it rhyme. It's like, well, that's just a poem. But then to try to figure out a pleasant chord progression... Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the disconnect comes for a lot of people. Yeah, and then, like I was saying with the lyrics, you know, the different lyric notes. Right. Because each one is a different note, but they still got to work with the chords. Yep. And maybe they don't work with the chords, but it still works. Like, it's just, it. Yeah. I don't get it. And and really, it all comes down to 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, about 13, 14 notes, and that is it. Yeah. It's from C to C, the sharps and flats in between, and that's it. Every single song is that. Right. It's just in a different order. And that's what's amazing to me, that you can take just those notes, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, yeah, the sharps and flats, and make every song in the world. Because <laughs> that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's mind-boggling me, and that's what fascinates me when I start hearing music. And it's funny, when you say stuff like that, I can hear myself saying almost the exact same thing when it comes to movies. Yeah. Because movies, there's only a few stories you can tell. It's true. Really. But they've made thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of films within these stories. And that's what's fascinating to me. Yeah. Is how they do it. And, and if they do it in an original way and tell a different story within that story. and Yeah. Yeah. So where you're looking at like a like murder mystery, mm -hmm. sci-fi thriller, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then you, you start hitting the sub-genres and yeah. stuff like that. And it's, it's the same with music. You got your pop, you got your rock, you got your pop rock, you got your new wave, you know, and they're all telling their own story with the exact same notes. Yes. And so, yeah, it's very similar in that way. Um, so do you know, or can you think and remember where this love of music came from? Where it all started? Yeah. Ah, um, I don't know exactly where it started. I know where I started plunking out sounds because I remember Guy or Cher getting a little Casio keyboard for Christmas. I think Guy did. And uh, a little demo song that I was able to plunk, which I still play to this day. <laughs> Just if I get bored, I'll mm -hmm. put this, I'll play this little demo song. And that I, that's where it started. It's just you know, figuring things out on the keyboard. And I just, I started realizing I could do that with just basic melodies. Yeah. Just figure out a basic song. And then it turned into, I think the next one I figured out was Cruella DeVille. Just the basic melody of Cruella DeVille. Not chords, not, you know, left hand or anything, mm -hmm. just a right hand melody. And um, 
then once I heard the Beatles and things, and then I started getting a little more into the actual construction of what songs are and mm-hmm. what they and what they are and what they mean. Yeah. And then, you know, how they're written and stuff. That's really where I think it kicked it off for me. Okay. All right. Um, so you, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, there, there are bands and stuff you listen to when you're, when you're growing up and, yes. but at a certain point, and it seems like this happens to a lot of people unless you're, you're just really open to a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's kind of been a disconnect you were saying. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I started listening, it was when it started ma- becoming meaningful to me, it was in like early 90s. Okay. We're starting around like 1990, yeah. 89, 90, when things actually started, you know, making sense to me where I, I really started enjoying it. But everything I started enjoying were from bands 20 years prior to that. Right. It was never in my generation. Um, because 1990, that really was the year where they put Hairband and Glam Rock to bed mm-hmm. and Grunge took over. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was never at that time really into that. You know, everything I was listening to was on oldies, oldies right. radio. That's where I found my enjoyment. And because once I started hearing what was coming out at that time, in my generation, I didn't like it. I considered it irritating mm-hmm. and noise. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even to an extent, even today, to the, to an extent, I still feel that way. I mean, there are bands that I have grown to really appreciate, mm-hmm. grown to really respect, not necessarily for the, the music they made, but for the impact they had. Okay. That really sculpted... Um, the musical landscape as it is. That's okay. what I really respect, and that's what I really like. So it's not necessarily, you know, that I'm a huge fan of Nirvana or whatnot, but the fact that they were able to completely shift a musical landscape entirely, mm-hmm. almost overnight, was just, it's mind-boggling to think about. Because up to that point, you had Poison, you had Motley Crue, you had the big hair. Yeah. You the, and almost immediately that stopped. Flannel took over. Straight hair. <laughs> grunge. Right, dirty. Right, right. Almost overnight. Yeah. And it was insane. And those are the bands that, you know, I find fascinating. What was it about those bands? What was it that people gravitated toward? Mm-hmm. You know, and that all started way back in the 50s. 50s up until it shifted in the 60s, 60s, when it shifted into the 70s, there is always a specific genre or band that just switched the switch, the switch, the switch, I guess you could say. Is that different now in, in modern times? Has there been one that's really done that? I would say no. Okay. I don't think there has been a really tonal shift or a musical shift since probably 2000. Okay. Because once the grunge era ended through the mid '90s, the boy band, mm-hmm. girl band, your InSync, your Backstreet Boys, your Spice Girls, once that all came to an end, a screeching halt around 2000s, and um, you know, I'd say it was about that time that just straight, sugary, pre-produced, 
disposable pop trash took over. Okay. And it has continued <laughs> to this day. Yeah. I mean, everything that's produced today, I feel, is produced in a studio by talentless people Yeah, that are just there to hand you a plate of earworms. It's like you hear it, you know it, you sing it, but there's no real skill or talent behind it. It's cookie cutter. It is. If you were to bring up the top 10 songs, like in, in Amazon Music or Spotify or whatever, I'd say at least seven or eight of those songs are going to have the exact same downloaded trap drum beat and you know synthesized auto-tuned vocals and three or four chords and that is it and it's all yeah. the same Katy perry's new song <laughs> bts <laughs> even the weekend to an extent yeah <laughs> it is all the same right but you know that's what people are buying that's what people and that's what frustrates me it's like but it feels like the public consciousness have been brainwashed into thinking this is what talent is this is where the skill is and you'll notice that when something like say stranger things comes up and brings a song out of obscurity back yes. into the public consciousness yes. all of a sudden everybody rallies around it and for a moment they start saying we need more songs like this right. what happened to this right right right, right. and so and then it dies away and they're back to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know when Stranger Things brought up you know running up that hill, or they brought up Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody's like, "Wow, this is incredible!" It's like these songs have been around for thirty, forty years. Yeah, yeah. You're just hearing a Metallica now, you know, because you're so stuck on just this, like you said, cookie cutter pop nonsense. Yeah. That you think that's where it is. There are so many people that hear these songs that sample songs out of the 80s, 70s, 60s, that when you tell them it's a cover version, it just blows their mind. Yeah, they have no idea. Yep. They're like, somebody else did this? Yeah. Really? <laughs> like, the biggest meme song, like through TikTok, is that stupid, and I'm going to get frustrated by this, <laughs> that stupid song that goes, oh no, oh no, yeah. oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is from a band called the Shangri-Las, the same band that sang Leader of the Pack back Mm -hmm. in the 60s. That's where that came from. And nobody knows it. It's the exact, that's who's singing it. It's just sped up to that chipmunk version. So when you play the original, they're like, well, that sounds like this. It's like, it is that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this is. Where do you think they got it? Nobody's coming up with anything original. They're stealing from, or sampling, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. From much more talented individuals. Standing on the shoulders of giants is really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> is what I see it as. So Yeah. Gone are the days where, you know, you have a band. They get together. They all play music. They all play a certain instrument. Right. They go around touring clubs. Somebody finds them. Right. And, you know, they put them on, on a radio and it goes off from there. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. In fact, radio is pretty much dead for the most part. Yes. Um, all music is pretty much found through streaming services. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's going to buy CDs. All right, what the heck is a CD? Right. You know? And I think that's where... And I don't know if I heard this or I read this somewhere, but that's what makes people like me, the Generation X, 
so frustrated is because I came into the tail end of vinyl, okay? And, you know, I started finding songs I really like. Yeah. And then cassettes took over. Right. So then I had to buy those songs again on cassette because right. they weren't making vinyl. And now all of a sudden cassettes came to a screeching halt and CDs took over. Mm-hmm. And this is all in my generation. And so I had to buy, rebuy everything on CD. And so now I have just piles and piles of CD books. Yes. Just loaded with all these CDs. And then that comes to a halt and you start downloading MP3s. And so you have to then rebuy everything on MP3s. And now you just pay a minimum monthly fee and you get any song you want. Right. At all. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> all that money and time mm-hmm. wasted sitting on, you know, sitting in front of a radio waiting to hear that song that you just requested on the phone. Yeah. So you can hit record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the DJ won't shut up over the first five minutes of it, so you can get like the whole song, so you can hear it again. <laughs> I wonder if that's why um, the popular music is the way it is today, is because maybe the 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 current generation like they like music, but it's not it's not as important as it once was because there's there's so much other content and stuff to there is to digest and to listen to that you know music is just one of those things it's another thing yeah whereas you know your generation those before you a little bit with mine too yeah music was such a big deal you had basically tv movies music and even tv there were channels (laughs) devoted yeah to music yeah you know because that was Part of the mainstream consciousness. MTV, VH1. That's right. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember The Box. Did you ever watch The Box? Yes, I did. I mean, we we could watch it, but it was very scrambled. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was like when you came across Cinemax and basic cable, yep. and it was like scrambled. Yep. You could see The Box, and it was, a, it was a request channel. There were no DJs. There was nothing. You called in, or yeah, you actually called in requested a song and it came up on this kind of mm-hmm. request channel that's when i first heard cake okay distance. it was on the box but uh yeah so i so i agree even people that really really like music i don't think they dive too much into what it takes to actually construct a song or even attempt to do that themselves right it's like they just hear it and as long as it's something that's catchy as long as it's something they can blare in the car or you know listen to in their ears they you know do whatever they're doing yeah that's all that matters to yeah i mean there is so much today where if you just crank it the volume the bass is going to take over so heavily that any sort of melody is is just non-existent Mm -hmm. it's not important right i mean if you go to you go to a club or you go you know and and that's all it is is just the heavy beat and and that's it it doesn't matter what they're saying yeah it, you know it really doesn't so. yeah and i mean i'm like i said i'm not a huge you know such a big music fan as you are but um i can appreciate if there are artists out there that are playing their own stuff that are writing their own music right 
For example, 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 for example, um, (laughs) Taylor Swift. Yes. Not a big fan of her music. Actually, I really don't like her. Right. But I can respect what she does because she writes a lot of her own stuff. Yes. And she plays her music. And so I can respect that. I don't like it, but I can respect it. Right. Um, You know, and, and, and I feel the same way about a lot of, a lot of modern bands. I mean, if... If I can come across a band, like Her, for example. You've heard of Her before? Yes. Yeah. She is a very talented multi-instrumentalist. And when I first heard her, I thought it was just another pre-produced, yeah. you know, you know, uh, Disney reject, you know. Right. But the more I listen to her, the more I see what she can do, what, you know, how she plays, mm-hmm. what she can play. Although I'm not a fan of the music I'm hearing, I have that respect. Sure. Because she's playing it. Sure. Whereas you look at, and again, just recently, one of the highest selling bands starting in 2020 was BTS. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I'd be surprised if you don't, BTS is a South Korean boy band with seven guys, and that's all it is. Mm-hmm. They don't play instruments. They're all auto-tuned, and I will argue anybody who says they're not, <laughs> you know, and, and they're doing the exact same thing that NSYNC was doing, just worse. Yeah. I mean, and I listened. Now, I wanted to be fair, and so I took some time and listened to some of their most popular songs, and they are all the same. They all sound exactly the same. The exact same drum beat, two or three chords, they all come in with harmony after singing their individual parts. Mm-hmm. The same as what NSYNC did. Yes. It's just a whole lot worse. <laughs> That's all it is. It's all pre-produced. I'm, I guarantee they're not writing their own stuff. They probably have a team of writers. Yeah. All of their instruments and everything is done through computer and you know through music systems. There's no live music. There's no live band. And it's all just pre-produced and disposable. For me. And I think that goes back to you know the uh, that that real like appreciation and love for music is gone, and so uh, at least for for you know modern people today, yeah. it's it's gone, and so it doesn't that doesn't matter. What right. matters is it's it's a catchy beat, you know. It like you said, it's an earworm. Yeah, that's what matters. That's right. That's what matters. And what's and what's funny and Or like, or if it's on a popular show like Stranger Things. That's right. And it comes back yeah. for a sec. Yeah. But if you look at the bands that have stayed, the bands that actually have staying power, not the ones that have disappeared. I mean, people were absolutely sure one direction was going to be around for <laughs> years, yeah. and years, yeah, and yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what happened? The only one who's still around is what? Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Yep. And that's it. I mean, Zane or whatever the heck his name was for a minute. You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, they disappeared because there was nothing to them. They were disposable. Yeah. It was cotton candy. Yeah. You put it in your mouth for a second and a half and it's gone. That's a good analogy. I like and, that. And that's that's all it was. But you look at the, the bands that actually stayed and that continue and persist to this day. They're the bands that are out there writing their own stuff that are touring that are going through all the motions of what an actual legitimate musician would do. Yes. And they're the ones that have the respect. They're the ones that are getting the Kennedy Center honors <laughs> and whatnot. You know, the ones that, you know, 
that when they do hear them, people are like, oh, and they're still around, and they're, oh, they're amazing, and they're selling out concerts, and they're just, it, it's very impressive that they can stick around. Yeah. And even though you may not like it, you know, they are, they have put in the work. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> I just, I had this, this thought, um, when I'm driving home from work. Yes. Because I, I, I have about a 50 minute commute, 45, 50 minutes there to keep myself awake. Sometimes I'll, I'll play songs and sing along to them. Right. So I thought it'd be kind of funny to go through some of the ones on my YouTube page. I do this too. <laughs> and I think on some of them, you'll be surprised. All right. All right. <clears throat> and these are your recent ones. These are the recent it? ones. Okay. Yeah. First one that comes up, limp biscuit rolling. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I can understand that because it is an earworm, uh-huh. and it's, and it's loud, and you really got to get into it. It's right because it it produces an emotion mm-hmm. for you. Um, Dragula by Rob Zombie. Oh yeah, yep, yep. I have that in a lot of my playlists. Gone Away by The Offspring. <laughs> uh, Superman by Goldfinger. Really? Uh huh. That's interesting. That's because it was on Tony Hawk. And Joel and I play that all the time. Talking okay. about pro, pro skater. <laughs> uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, impression that I get. Yeah. Bare Naked Ladies, one week. Yeah. Backstreet Boys, I want it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I only sing the AJ part, though. Because that's in your range? Yeah, and it's fun to sing. <laughs> Here's one that's going to shock you. All right. Brooks and Dunn, Boot Scoot and Boogie. <laughs> Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Uh, that has to be... I'm guessing that's probably the only country song you ever listened to. Uh, yes. For the most part. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, continuing along, here's a, a, a more recent one. Go West, King of Wishful Thinking. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh, warning by Green Day. Uh, the Wonders, that thing you do. Basket Case by Green Day. Of course, I got Beatles in there. Yeah. Um, Tribute by Tenacious D. Oh, boy. And Kickapoo by Tenacious D. Uh. Bloodhound Gang, The Bad Touch. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the box, that's where I first saw that video, too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. House of Pain, Jump Around. Um, Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Uh, Biggest song of 2014, whenever that came out. Yep. Um, I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles by uh, Proclaimers. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it just it goes on from there. What's funny is that a lot of those songs that you mentioned have shown up in movies. Yes, and I wonder if that's why a lot of it appeals to you, these specific songs. Because Jump Around is right there at the beginning of Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing you do, obviously, I mean, that's the song. Yeah. You know. But, no, that's funny. Here, <laughs> right in a row, okay? Four songs right in a row. Right. It's going to be me in sync. <laughs> Pop in sync. <laughs> It's going to be me again in sync. Bye, bye, bye in sync. <laughs> Even back when they were popular, I liked them. I was a closet in sync fan. Yeah. I didn't want anybody to know. But I would come home and 
it's weird to think of this now, but I would turn on MTV and they were doing the TRL countdown or whatever. Yep. And I would plant myself there and I would watch music videos. That is funny. Because it'd be like, oh, we're debuting the new Britney Spears music video mm. or the new Limp Bizkit <laughs> or Eminem music video. Yeah. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. There you go. It's on there. But yeah, yeah. If you went through my YouTube history, it's um as far as music, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you remember the first the first song you ever heard that really elicited some sort of emotional response, like a straight emotion? Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, it's hard for me to think of one or one recently or one recently. Um, that brings any sort of real emotion. Uh, for me, a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of what Adele puts out mm. will elicit emotion. Okay. And she is one that I was not a fan of initially because I don't like her first song, that Rolling in the Deep. I'm, I was never a big fan of that song. Yeah. But as she has progressed, regardless of what she's doing in her personal life or how she treats her concert fans or whatever is going on with her recently. As she has progressed, she has really toned down the production to where it's basic live instrumentation mm-hmm. and her vocals, but it's not overproduced. If you listen to it, and if you bring up like voice matching software or stuff like that, she will go flat. She will go sharp. Right. She isn't trying to make it perfect, but she's making it real. Right. And that's what elicits emotion for me. Okay. Are bands that will really push, you know, just the real feel of what they're trying to say through Mm -hmm. their songs. And so I think she was the last one that really elicited an actual emotion for me. And I I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but I had a very visceral experience of listening to a song very recently. First time, really, that's ever happened to me. Yeah. It was... Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, Good Mythical Morning, Rhett and Link. Yes. Well, Rhett just put out his own album because he's he's a singer, he's a guitar player. Um, you, you know, like you, they were they're your I think they're the same age as you. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're of that generation, and so they were really big into music. Yeah. And he released a, a song that he did as a duet with his wife. And I listened to that, and I it broke me. Did it? Yes. Wow. I'm almost getting emotional now. I couldn't help it. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know what happened because that that's never happened to me before. Yeah. But I just sat there for 20 minutes almost. <laughs> I couldn't catch my breath. I was sobbing so much. Oh wow. It was weird. That is weird. I think the only other, the only other, artist or genre. That will elicit emotion for me, believe it or not, is country music. Okay. Because out of every genre, I feel that country is the most real. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking cowboy hat country. We're not talking trucker hat country. Right. Because those are two very different things. Um, you know, your your Brooks and Dunn's as opposed to things like, you know, <laughs> your Luke Bryan's and right. stuff like that. I mean, it's it's two almost different genres of music. You have country western, and then you have country. Right. <laughs> you know, two different things. But that can elicit 
strong emotions from me. They really can because they are what remains, I think, of actual musical storytellers. People that will tell you what's going on in their life Mm -hmm. and that you can apply to your own life. Whereas a lot of these other pop earworms are just about going out and doing nothing. Right. You know? Right, right, right. You know, it's stuff that you can't relate to. I mean, you know, I can't relate to, you know, being a VIP in any sort of... (laughs) club or you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) or or anything like that but you know when people say you know you're going to work you're coming home to a wife and things like that that i can relate to i get it and the only people that really sing about that are your country artists Mm -hmm. and so but you can relate to red solo cup (laughs) (laughs) i've actually drank from a red solo cup so i get it there you go i get it (laughs) but uh i to be honest, I can find at least maybe one song, if not one artist, in almost every genre of music that I can enjoy. Okay. Um, it's very hard-pressed for me to actually despise an entire genre of music. Even like your hardcore metal, mm-hmm. or even death metal, or deathcore, or horrorcore, stuff like that. I can find songs I enjoy. And... Um, you know, like I said, it, it it's I can be hard pressed to just find a complete genre that I will disavow entirely. Right. Now I will say, and I'm gonna be honest, rap is probably right there. <laughs> they are closest on the cusp for me to where it's like I have a hard time finding right. anyone that I can relate to. But who has won me over through the years, believe it or not, is Eminem. Eminem. I was gonna say the same thing. Because that you know what you're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. He has never, you know, tried to be anything other than what he is. And to your point with country music, he's real. He is. Yeah. I mean, granted, when he first started, he was out there for the shock value. Sure. I mean, he was out there to try. Oh, what did he just sing about? He came out murdering his girlfriend. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But you know, he was doing it just for that response. Yes. You know, when he was at the VMAs or the Grammys, or whatever it was, he reached into his pocket and all these, you know. Pills or yeah, know, yeah, yeah, crack yeah. rocks come out. It's like, oh, I see what he's doing. Ha, ha, yeah. <laughs> but he has continued on and become much more, you know, as as you say, real with his music. Yes. That you can't help but, you know, respect the guy. Yeah. And I am just like Rap God, <laughs> I think is one of his best yeah. songs. And I'm so impressed by it. Just his skill, mm-hmm. regardless of what he's saying. But he puts everybody else to shame. Yeah, 100%. And he, has, he has completely won me over. And so if there was one artist that I will listen to, it will be him. Yeah. You know, regardless of what he is saying in his songs. Because, again, I may not relate. I didn't grow up in Michigan, in Detroit. You know, I wasn't. I never know, walked across Eight Mile. I don't know. Exactly. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't grow up, you know. Yeah. You know, I was in middle class, you know, white suburban America. Yep. I mean, I, I can't relate to a lot of what he says. But I can appreciate the talent that's there. Yeah, you'll find the song "Without Me" on my YouTube history. <laughs> that's one. That's another one I listen to and sing along with. Um, but going back to hip hop, I mean, back in the day, yeah. back in the early '90s, I remember you listening to a lot of that, like Digital Underground oh, or yeah. you know Humpty Hump or you know those type of things. <laughs> yeah, dig- Digital Underground, Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer. <laughs> Digital Underground was basically, I would say, the Weird Al version of of hip hop. That's fair. That's they, fair. It was a novelty band. It was it was the concoction of Shock G, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, he was both Humpty and Shock G. And, uh, you know, during the concerts, you know, smoke would pop up and he'd throw the nose on. All of a sudden he was, you know, Humpty Hump. Right. And, uh, but they were more of a novelty. Mm. And so it was so much easier to enjoy them because, you know, they were there to have fun. They were there to really kind of poke fun at the hip hop genre. You know, the way they dress, especially the way Humpty dressed, you know, with the big fuzzy hats and Mm -hmm. the huge gaudy chains Mm -hmm. and you know, just women everywhere and stuff like that. And that's what they were rapping about. And people respected him for that, you know, and so it was easy to get behind that and yeah. enjoy it because it was fun. It was funny. And so, yeah. But then, you know, things like House of Pain. Yes. Um, you know, Jump Around. Um, and there was another one. Oh, I just lost it. Top of the Morning. To Top you. of the Morning, yep. That's one of my absolute favorite songs. Mine too. And uh, <laughs> when it comes to like, you know the hip hop just because it's i just enjoy it i enjoy yeah. the way it sounds i enjoy the way it feels it does seem like hip hop 30 40 years ago is a lot more fun than it is now it is once it got out of the east west you know shooting people yeah you know packing an ak yeah 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 you know i mean ice cubes ice cubes song you know good day or today was a good day he even says it Today I didn't have to use my my AK. Right, I'd have to say it was a good day. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's something I don't relate to. Right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, like like NWA. You know, they they reached so many people, and because you know they were they were rapping about the stuff that was going on in in Compton and stuff like that. Like yeah. Suburban white kid in Utah. I have no idea. I I don't know. And that's where I get irritated, too, is like when those people in suburban Utah are going around thumping that music like it means something to them. It's like, you're not relating to this. The only reason you're listening to this is to be rebellious. Right. And that's all it is. Right. You know, but if you were to listen to that, (laughs) if you were that white kid driving through the inner city playing that music, you'd have a problem because yeah, heaven help you because <laughs> yeah, that's not meant for you sorry yep, yep. <laughs> um so we can't we can't talk about um and, and we'll get to your list here in a second but yeah we can't talk about music episode without bringing up the beatles real quick yes now i think we'll do a full episode on the beatles later on yeah but for now if you could really boil it down what is it about the Beatles that just hooked you and essentially hooked me and hooked other people of our of our family. What what is it? For me, I think what draws me to it, it's just the sound. It's a melody. Mm. It's 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 that's what I that's what I would say. It's it's the chord progression, it's the feel of the song, it's the production value. It's the harmonies. It's just right. What you're hearing is appealing, right? I mean, even though they're and admittedly they're not the greatest singers, mm-hmm. they're just they're not. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Sure. Um, but what they say, it's it's fun, and 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 it's relatable, like we were saying, because the majority of their songs is about love. It's about you know, just the music itself. Yeah. And it's something that you can get behind. Right. It's friendly. <laughs> you know, 
it's it's not something that's confrontational. Mm-hmm. It's something you can put on at any old time, and most people are going to know what it is, and they're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it was. Okay, it's just it's a pleasant experience. Hearing the Beatles is a pleasant experience. Yes, <laughs> you know it's inoffensive. You're going to find at least one of their songs you enjoy. Yeah, even Guy admitted there's at least one or two songs that he really enjoys, which is shocking. <laughs> but uh, some of the more quote unquote heavier. <laughs> songs back you know, later on. I'm trying to think what he said. I think it was Was it Helter Skelter? I I don't think so. I think there was I think it was a George Harrison song and I think it was because of the guitar. Okay. Because he really respects George Harrison's guitar player. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's another thing. Like they were so just starting out, they were so amateur. Yes. But the 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 lyrics and the voices Paul and John's voices fit so well together that it didn't matter that they you know they were playing very basic stuff in the beginning right. in the beginning very basic stuff and basic chords it, that didn't matter because it was enjoyable to listen to yeah and it was relatable and yeah it's funny to say amateurish because Please Please Me is basically what they were doing in concert live before they went into the studio. Right. All those songs. Right. I mean, a lot of them were just cover versions mm-hmm. of other songs, and uh, it was stuff that they'd, they'd been playing already. Yeah. And so they went through it so quick that they recorded that album less than a day. It's like, this is just what we've been playing. Mm-hmm. So here it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think that's what really you know started them off specifically in England, is that everybody knew these songs already because they'd heard them in concert. They knew what they were. Yeah. It's like now they can own it. So. Yeah. All right. Um, and like I said, we'll, we'll, down the line, we'll do a full episode on the Beatles because I think there's a lot we could talk about. There's a lot to unpack with the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Not only that, the impact they had, the influence that they are, even through every genre of music, I'd say, I I will defy anyone, bring up an artist and start looking at their influences, and you will be hard-pressed to not find one that will go back to the Beatles. Mm -hmm. At one point, the Beatles will be referenced. Yep, It's just, that's the way it is. That's how much they influence musical direction. Yeah, I mean, I I put their logo permanently on my arm, so I mean, I would never do that with any other band. All right, but let's get to uh, your list here that you have on All your right. phone. I do have a list. And uh, so I started thinking, okay, because music is such a varied art form, mm-hmm. and it's up for, you know, depending on how you feel. Yeah. I mean, it's so varied. What you might like, I might not like. Sure. And that's fine. I mean, you're going to be very opinionated when it comes to music. I mean, even if you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan. Right. And so I started going back. It's like, okay, since I can't really narrow down my favorite artist per se, unless you want to go into specific decades, but even then you have to go into specific genres. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, who's your favorite band out of the 50s? Well, it depends. Are you talking like early country Western artists? Or are you talking like blues right. artists? Are right. you talking the early rock artists? Who are you talking Right. And so... I, I went through and I just found some of the top-selling artists all across genres for most of the decades that I listened to, when I started listening to. And I thought it would be interesting 
just to kind of get your take on what you think of them. Okay. As opposed, or if you've even heard them, okay. or you listen to them, or they just of no interest to you whatsoever, or if they influence what you listen to. Okay. Okay. All right. So. As early as I'm going to go back, apart from the big band era, <laughs> like the 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. you know, it'll probably start in the 50s for me. Okay. Because that's really when rock and roll was invented. Yeah. And I, so, I couldn't even tell you what the genre was in the 40s. Right. No idea. Yeah. I mean, you, it's it's a lot of just the tail end of the big band. It's... it's um, it's before the era of the singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. It's just it was, overproduced, yeah. you know. Um, it was before rock and roll. Yeah, there's a lot of vocalists. It's it's really all about vocals, right? And so right. a lot of the instruments were just over strings and stuff like that. So, okay, you're talking like the big band era still, right? Right. Really, okay, even into the 40s. But um, so once you hit the 50s, yes, and you start hitting some of the top selling artists. Number one that's probably going to come up is who do you think in the fifties? Elvis. Elvis. So when you think of Elvis, I mean he's he can be divisive among certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean let's just admit it: the African American community you're going to look at Elvis as a thief, right? Like he stole what the blues artists were doing, and he used it for himself to make himself popular. Mm-hmm. I see it as a completely different situation. That was almost an Eminem lyric, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see it as a different situation because at the time, Elvis grew up around that music too. He did. And he was a fan of it. Yep. He wasn't stealing it. He was celebrating it as something that he grew up with. Yeah, that deep woods of Mississippi. That's right. Yeah, And it was something that he heard and something he appreciated. And so, but... Given the the culture and the layout of America at the time, if the average white kid came home with a record from a black artist, mm, yeah, how do you think that was going to be reacted to from their parents? Not well, or their you know society in general, not well. And so, what Elvis was able to do was make that more radio friendly and more popular. What I would say for the you know general population. And so then it allowed those people, once they heard it, to look back, where did it come from? And it opened their eyes to these other artists that they wouldn't have heard of otherwise. Yeah. Because it was not allowed in their culture. Right. Even until like the 60s or 70s, when it was finally more acceptable to you know appreciate these blues artists, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and he was able to, I think, bring that into the forefront. Now, granted, he didn't come forward and say, "Oh, I, I give all the credit to these people." Right? You know, he didn't. But I. Think but I'm, I mean, what again? What artist does that? Exactly. I mean, even even these big artists like you know, again, The Weeknd, Juice World, you know, even Eminem, they'll go through and they'll sample all these songs. They're not giving credit to no. these original artists. No. You know, one of Eminem's biggest songs, you know, um, "Lose Yourself." Mm-hmm samples straight from led zeppelin he didn't come through and say you know thank you to led zeppelin yeah. for allowing me to sample this track right know. now as so. far as far as elvis goes yes. i'm i'm very uh black and white when it comes to elvis i love elvis's rock and roll music okay i do not like his gospel stuff okay i never have yeah i never will right I can never forgive him for the death of my boy. Uh, 
Name that movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love his rock and roll stuff. Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Because I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Now, I like his ballads. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. And But yeah, when he, when he goes like the Southern gospel stuff, I mean, it's just, it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. I mean, and even to this day, like Christian rock and stuff, it's just not no, thanks. appealing. <laughs> no. At all. No. I mean, you turn on Light FM on Sunday morning, you're going to hate it. <laughs> I, I think mean, if I turn on Light FM anytime. That's right. <laughs> and, it, and it, it's not just LDS artists. We're talking like just mainstream Christian rock yes, artists. Yes, yes. And it's just, it's bland. Yeah. And it's boring. But so, okay. So yeah. I, I appreciate Elvis. I mean, Absolutely. He, he started it, let's yeah. just say. And go see that new movie. It is really good it's fantastic yeah streaming on hbo max right now yes um another big selling artist johnny cash i like johnny cash his early stuff i like probably more of his later to later stuff later stuff yeah i'm not i don't think i'm familiar with his early stuff um like Folsom prison blues and Mm -hmm. um uh that song's god's gonna cut you down yeah. I really and like that song. That's really later in his yes. career, too. You know, his cover of the Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Yes. I think it's just yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. Um, the song he did with his wife, June. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, I, I, for me, it's, it's a hit and miss with Johnny Cash. He found his niche, but again, it's not with a great voice. No. Because he's not a great no. vocalist. Those early country artists will talk through the songs. Yes. That's really all it is. <laughs> like Boy Named Sue. He's Boy basically just Sue. talking through the song. That's really yeah, he's just yeah. telling a story. So But again, he he started off a huge genre of music. He was very influential to country artists that followed. That's yeah. for sure. Now you look at uh two of the other I don't want to gloss over them quickly, but people like Chuck Berry, Little Richard, mm-hmm. Ray Charles. I mean, they were overshadowed, they let's were. say, by Elvis. Yeah. Because Elvis dominated everything. And again, them being black artists, they weren't given the you know, radio play and the and the yeah. TV time. Yeah. They're much more was. appreciated now than they oh, ever yeah. were back in the day. Extremely influential. I mean, you'll be hard pressed to not find somebody who loves Ray Charles. For what he did, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a blind artist, well, not just a blind artist, but as a piano player, as a storyteller, as a songwriter, yeah. I mean, it's just. I would even say without those men, those three guys, yeah, we don't have rock and roll. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And so, so those are some of your those are some of your early fifties. Okay. And so I would say if you know, I I can appreciate where it started from sure there's a lot of other artists i don't really listen to but i can appreciate like the perry comos <laughs> right just boring yeah, yeah doris day yeah is just boring but um bill haley again is another one that really started off rock you know because he even you know rock around the clock was his i love that song you know, it was his song i love that and that going back to what you were saying I know it from Happy Days. I know it from a TV show. <laughs> there you go, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, Great Balls of Fire, yep. things like that. I mean, these were guys with the greasy hair. Yep, came through and was just 
you know, enough to make you hide the music from your parents. Yes. Because you know? <laughs> a whole lot of shaking going on, from what I understand, is a very sexual song. If you listen yeah, to it. Yeah. When he says, you grab the bull by the horn, he's not talking about the animal. <laughs> Right, right, he's right, not. Right. <laughs> it's know. the music you kids listen to today. That's right. Bing Crosby, Cap Calloway. <laughs> Don't think I haven't heard the lyrics to me and the Moocher. <laughs> and so Name once that you, movie. Yeah, exactly. And then once you get out of the fifties, <laughs> then you hit the sixties. Yes. Now the sixties is is going to be one of those transitional periods, and because what happened right about now is Elvis goes into the military. Mm-hmm. Um, your buddy Holly, Big Bopper, Richie Valens, they all die. Right. And so, in effect, rock and roll, apart from the, the African-American artists, has come to a halt mm-hmm. because of what has happened. Right. And with Elvis leaving, there was nobody to fill the gap until who showed up? The Beatles. The Beatles. Yep. In effect, the Beatles saved rock and roll from extinction hmm. because once Elvis left all you had still were people like the Perry Comos the Doris Days the Doris Days yeah you know and again those other artists that weren't necessarily brought into the majority of your middle American you know right musical landscape so yeah so the kids were you still had their parents music that was still around but there was that's nothing right. for them because there's no new stuff coming out that's right that's funny. I never thought about that and before. So when the Beatles came around, all of a sudden they're taking, you know, a lot of R and B and blues and mm-hmm. you know, influenced by Bing Crosby and stuff like that, and really ramping it up. Yeah. In a way that hasn't been heard. Right. I mean, prior to, I mean, you look at what Elvis did. A lot of his guitar work was acoustic or semi-acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, and here come the Beatles <laughs> with, you know electric guitars and heavy drums doing these screams and you know just going yeah yeah know, just scaring <laughs> you know white american parents like <gasps> it's devil's music now but uh which is funny because it's so radio friendly oh yeah when you look at the lyrics yeah love me do she loves you mm-hmm. p.s i love you <laughs> you know it's like <gasps> how can you listen to that oh it's just noise it's like is it? <laughs> That's what grandma said to our mom about him. That's right. Yeah. It's just. It's How do you just, It's just noise. It's just noise. Yeah. And granted, they're coming out of the big band era. Right. The vocalists. Right. It's like, and yeah, Paul McCartney and John Lennon, George Harrison, they're not vocalists. Paul McCartney has come into his own recently. Yeah. Fairly recently. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking like in the last couple of years, but, you know, f- through his career, he has improved as a singer. Mm-hmm. But John Lennon was extremely nasal when he sang. Mm-hmm. George Harrison was extremely toothy <laughs> when he sang. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, you hear his teeth in the song. <laughs> you can. And um, you know, I, I Jess Harnell said it the best. You know, when he's doing his Beatles impression, he's like George. You know, John came through the nose. Paul was in the back mm-hmm. of the throat, a little more vocal. Or uh, throaty, yep, smoky sound. Smoky, yep. You know, George dropped it down, went through his teeth, and then Ringo was down there to the bottom. Yep. You know, and uh, that's really what it was. They're not great vocalists, but they brought the music back to the forefront for the youth 
not only of America, but worldwide. World, and yep. I think that's where I think people that will argue against the Beatles, they're missing the point. It's like you may not like the music, but you can't deny the influence. Right. Because they took the world. That's why I don't think they realized the world by storm. Yeah. Worldwide, from Japan to America and everywhere in between, down to Australia, everywhere. Yes. They were everywhere. They were breaking records left and right. So the 60s were owned by the Beatles. Let's just not deny that. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Now, one of the other big bands of the 60s, I consider to be one of the most overrated bands in the history of rock. Let me see if I can guess. Go ahead. Rolling Stones? The Rolling Stones. Yep. (laughs) I think, now granted, I've gone back and I've I've listened to more of their albums all the way through, and they have an album called Exile on Main Street. Mm -hmm. And I think that album is much better than what you tend to hear on the radio because none of those songs are on ever got radio play. Okay. And but Mick Jagger's vocals are much less Mick Jagger <laughs> than his other music. Cuz Mick Jagger, you talk about somebody who can't sing. Right. Yeah. I I will say he had never been able to sing. And this idea that he could dance is insane. Mhm. Cuz he can't. No, he can't. You know, when Maroon 5 came back with moves like Jagger, I'm like, what moves? He acts like he has a seizure. Yeah. And he looks left, he looks right, he kicks his leg. It's like, this isn't talent. He's having a full body embolism. He, d- he does a little chicken move. Yeah. It's like, this, this this is not skill. <laughs> Why are you rallying around like this? You know, he does his you know wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man move. <laughs> nice. You know, nice reference. He moves his, you know, his arms around. Like, There's no skill yeah. here. The, the talent... Is behind him. The talent. And I will give all credit to Keith Richards. Yes, 100%. I mean, that Living Dead Zombie is the driving force behind the Rolling Stones. Yes. He's the songwriter. Yes. And unfortunately, I think if, if Brian Jones would have existed, he would have been just right there with him. But um, those two, Ronnie Wood, um, and I just lost the drummer's name that just barely passed, but uh, Charlie Watts. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, this was the talent of the Rolling Stones, not Mick Jagger. Right. He's the face, Mm -hmm. and it's an ugly face. Let's just be honest. Right. (laughs) Right from the (laughs) get-go. There is no one (laughs) who can look at Mick Jagger and say, oh, I'm an attractive guy. (laughs) You know, it's just, it, it, I'm sorry. It, for me, it just doesn't happen. Sure. It's, it's not that, so. But let, let, let me segue really quick <laughs> into another overrated band okay. that I consider vastly overrated is Kiss. The band yes. Kiss. Yes. And I'll tell you why I think that. Okay. You look at the band. Let's say you'd never heard them in your life. They come out in their big platform boots would push them well over six feet. Mm-hmm. They look like monsters. Mm-hmm. They got this black and white face paint. You know, they got pyro during their shows. Yeah. You know, Gene Simmons is looking at you from under his eyebrows with this angry demonic look. He's even called the demon. Mm-hmm. In between songs, he'll vomit blood, right? And then he steps up to the microphone, and what are the lyrics you get? 
Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Party every day. Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't match. I was There's made songs. for loving you. Yeah. Lick it up. Lick yeah. it up. You look at him and you think, oh, that's hardcore, you know, yeah. that's death metal or some Detroit Rock City. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, if, if they were more like Slayer type music, it would fit their image. Mm-hmm. Or Slipknot or something or, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But when they come out giving you just, granted, a little harder pop ballad, but that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't. I've always thought that. And yeah. and granted, I will say, Paul Stanley, who's the lead singer of Kiss, when he went off and started doing his his covers of like old jazz standards, mm-hmm. I was impressed. He has a voice that is decent. Right. But what he does in Kiss is just garbage. Yeah. As I think Kiss is. And why everybody rallies around them, I think is just for the look. It's for a it's for the cred. It's like if you're a Raiders fan for football. Right. They don't win. They're not Super Bowl champs. You do it because it's part of the Raider Nation mm-hmm. or part of the Kiss, Kiss Army. Army. Yep. You know? Yeah. If, if Kiss never had the makeup and all the costumes and everything and just played that music, they would have faded into obscurity. I mean, look what happened when they took the, mu- when they took the makeup off. That yeah. Nobody album cared. Tanked. <laughs> yep. Nobody wanted that. Nobody ever wanted to see them without that makeup. <laughs> Very true. Still true to this day. Oh yeah, they are they are interesting looking people. But anyway, so that that's my quick segue. Another artist out of the '60s that I'm surprised persists and as influential as they were was Bob Dylan, because you talk about talking through your songs. Yeah, that's what Bob Dylan did. But he was a storyteller. Yes. I mean, everything he said had a story behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Times They Are a Change and stuff like that. These are these are songs that That's a great fit, song. fit your decade. Yeah. I mean, it was a social statement. And I know that song from Watchmen. There you go. <laughs> I'm finding some interesting stuff out about myself. Okay, interesting. And even some of the bigger songs from the other bands, like The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man, was written by Bob Dylan. Yeah. I mean, he's an incredible songwriter. Yes. He yes. may not be a great singer, but he's a storyteller and he's a writer. Yes. And so, quickly, this the Beach Boys mm-hmm. came into came into existence. Led Zeppelin started in the 60s. Simon and Garfunkel came to the 60s. This really started kicking off the singer-songwriter yeah. era. Talk about overrated. Pink Floyd. You think so? Yes. I think Pink Floyd is a little overrated. <laughs> I think people give them a bit too much credit. I think people, yeah. I think people will look deeper into Pink Floyd than what is actually right, there. Right, 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 right. They'll look at it for some sort of, I will say, like spiritual awakening mm-hmm. as a way, in a way. Now, I, I appreciate their theme albums. I mean, let's be honest. Okay. The Wall sure. is a theme. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. You know, Dark yeah. Side of the Moon is a theme. It yes. all has these running these running stories behind it. And granted, they, they did a lot with instruments, but it's not as deep as you would make it out to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are hidden messages or, you know, the Wizard of Oz thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, no. <laughs> I mean, they were out there for like anybody else. They were out there to make the money. Mm-hmm. And Grant, Pink Floyd, to your credit, to what you're saying... They didn't have 
a statement to make. I mean, you listen to their songs, there's not a whole lot of statements behind them. Unless you look at songs like Money, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Then it it may mean a bit more, but for the most part, yeah. they're just yeah. more instrumental, but I think there were better bands. So Agreed. Um and one of those bands for me was The Who. And The Who also started Okay. In the 60s. Yes. I mean, I love The Who. Um but it's one of those bands for me that had to grow on me through the years. Mm-hmm. Um and it all started with really it took me this long to when I started hearing every CSI right. had a Who <laughs> song as their theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what really got me into it. You know, Who Are You, you know, uh Bob O'Reilly, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um and then I really started looking into them. And I am just amazed by the amount of skill and talent that each one of those individuals has. Yeah. As musicians. Hundred percent. Yep, I agree. Um I think Keith Moon is one of the greatest rock drummers. I'll put him above John Bonham. Okay. From uh from Led Zeppelin. Right. I put Keith Moon above him. I will put him almost side by side with Neil Peart from Rush as a talented drummer. And I think if if Keith Moon had survived, he would have well surpassed what anything that Neil Peart mm. did from Rush. So and Rush is another one of those bands that had to grow on me because <laughs> you either hate Geddy Lee's voice or you love it. Right. Because he is just so high and nasal. <laughs> you know, today's Tom Sawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so the 60s were owned by the Beatles, in my opinion. Um, and they were what shifted the musical landscape. And then you hit the 70s. 70s was dominated by, in my opinion, two styles of music. Disco and Southern rock. (laughs) And so that's the genre, like you say right there, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I hate the 70s just full stop. Because you know, I hate that decade. You say 70s and you think greasy hair and Uh cigarette smoke. Uh I mean, if the decade had a smell, it's cigarettes. Yes. That's what the 70s is. And so. You know, you look at the big bands that started through the 70s, and you're looking at people like Pink Floyd persisted, Mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin persisted, um, Rod Stewart started. Right. You look at an artist that produces a smell for me, (laughs) and Rod Stewart smells like cigarette. (laughs) I I see Rod Stewart, I smell cigarette. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Yep. And so, and even Michael Jackson actually started coming into his own in in the 70s. But he went more toward away from hip hop and R and B, and went more disco in the seventies. He did. You look at his early stuff, and it's very disco. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but disco dominated. And Casey and the Sunshine Band, Lips Inc., you know the Bee Gees and ABBA. Mm-hmm. You know they were all just dominating the seventies. And so. <sighs> I do like the hit, some of the hits of the 70s. Okay. But if I'm going to listen to a, like a decade of music, I will not listen to the 70s. And this is where, yeah. This is Do you know what killed disco in the 70s? Wasn't it a radio station? It was. That invited people to come down and like burn their That's right. Right. Okay. Chicago White Sox. There was a shock jock 
I forget his last name. Well, his last name was Dahl. It was D-A-H-L. I think it was Steve. Anyway, he was very anti-disco. Yeah. And so he invited all of his listeners. And, uh, you know, he had the same kind of following as like early Howard Stern. Mm -hmm. That kind of shock. Right. So he invited all of his listeners to come down to Chicago Stadium because they're going to do kind of a a death of disco, really, is what Mm -hmm. they were trying to Mm -hmm. do. And so if you brought a disco record, I think you got in for like 98 cents or something like that. <laughs> and so they were expecting maybe 20,000. Over 50,000 people showed up to this <laughs> to this game. Right. Specifically, because it was a doubleheader between Chicago and the Detroit. Uh-huh. And in between those games, they were going to do this just death of disco. Blow them all up is what right. they were going to do. And so... Again, they were expecting 20, 50 showed up, most of them to watch the explosion. And when it happened, everybody was just so amazed by it, they stormed the field to gather up remnants and completely destroyed the field entirely to where Chicago had to forfeit the game to Detroit. (laughs) But in effect, it was no longer cool to like disco starting in 79 and 80. And that was what instigated it right then and there. Because, you know, if you said you like disco, it's like, well, didn't they just destroy disco over there at mm-hmm. <laughs> the game? I think that's the only genre of music you can say, this is the day it died. It pretty much was. Yeah. Yeah. That that act right there, that baseball game, put a death nail in. Yep. It was done. So who was the band then you say would, was there a band that dominated the 70s? <sighs> like the Beatles did with the 60s. I think the 70s. If you look at rock, and, and, and that's what's hard. I think if you look at rock, it belonged to Led Zeppelin. Okay. And to a lesser extent, the Eagles. Right. The Eagles sure. and, and, and Led Zeppelin. I mean, one was a little lighter than the other, but they were both all over, everywhere okay. on radio. And, and even Elvis had witnessed a resurgence after his 68 special. Right, yeah. And he started... You know, selling them when he took up residency in Vegas, he just he took off again too. Mm-hmm. So okay, but um, so I'd say they were and Pink Floyd, <laughs> fair. But and so then the eighties came, and this is where it gets interesting for me because the eighties took music everywhere. I love eighties music. There was just everything in every genre you could think of was just they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, you know, you started getting to the glam rock in the hard rock, you know, pop who had been buried thanks to disco Mm -hmm. started to make a resurgence. Punk music started to come out of obscurity right? with people like the clash and the sex pistols, the Ramones, right? you know, all these things. I don't want to say they became radio friendly because they were punk, so they can't be radio friendly. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and then Madonna started, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, the Bon Jovi's, the Duran Duran's, and then you hit New Wave. And so you get people like Depeche Mode, The Cure, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen. You yeah. get all these things yeah. that are, you know, promoting your emo side or your goth side or, <laughs> you know, your alternative <laughs> mm-hmm. side. And so it was just, and then the electronic pop took over and you had people like Devo. You had just... Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls. Yeah. Synthesized. It was a synthesized decade. Yes. You know, the keytar took center stage, which was just insane. (laughs) The keyboardist became, you know, just as important as the lead guitarist. Yeah. And it was crazy that that's what it was. 
you know, but, but it was just everywhere. And, um, so you look at some of the bigger bands of the eighties. I mean, who do you think? Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Madonna. He was all over it. Yeah. Elton John started Metallica. Right. Even though they were, you know, before that as well, they really came into their own through the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, you know, through kill them all and, you know, ride the lightning and, you know, they just, they started taking off on their own as well. Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. These were all started in the 80s. Dire Straits. Speaking of Dire Straits, can I just say really quick, I had no idea they were English. I didn't know that. It shocked me Mm-mm. when I found out they were from England. I was listening to Mark Knopfler speak, and I'm like, holy crap, the guy's from England. <laughs> no, they sound like they're from like the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had no idea That's until funny. I heard him. So, okay. so you get your, your Bon Jovi's. You know, Guns and Roses, right. Def Leppards, Poison, Poison, yeah. Motley Crue, big hair bands. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. This began the uh, hole in the ozone, thanks to the hairspray, aerosol, and hairspray. <laughs> I, I thanks in no small part to our sister. Share, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true. Her eight-inch bangs uh-huh. off her head. So, <laughs> and so yeah, I mean that uh, it was the decade of excess. Yes, the neon yep, decade. Yep, I mean it's just everywhere. Anything you could want in music, it was all there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just nothing was off limits except disco. And again, probably my favorite song out of the '80s. Don't you forget about me. Where is that from? Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. <laughs> One of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And so then you get into the '90s, and who put the death nail into the '80s? Started the '90s. Nirvana. Nirvana. Almost overnight. Yeah. And I think we discussed this earlier. It's like the minute they came out, that pretty much put an end mm-hmm. to glam metal and the hair bands. Yep. Because everybody immediately shifted to the Seattle sound. Yep. Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it took hold almost immediately. And it's insane how quickly. Yeah. And so you can't... I, I defy anybody to tell me that Nirvana wasn't the catalyst of that yeah i mean if if you say otherwise you mm-hmm. don't know music in i my don't opinion. i don't want to like compare them to to like the beatles right but as far as influence yes and having such a different sound all of a sudden coming yeah. out uh that you know because you were so used to this glam rock and stuff all of a sudden Nirvana comes along and it's and it's dirty and it's, it's dirty loud and it's yep. can't understand the lyrics and it's just different. It's something different you never really heard before. It's Doc Martens. Yes. It's it's flannel. It's tying their at that around your waist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah, I mean, they I'd say were as much an influence as to pop culture and to fashion as the Beatles were back in their time. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. I, yeah. You know, that's that's what I would say. The hairspray went away because everybody went greasy. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you know, the big hair was gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you saw Kurt Cobain on TV singing Smells Like Teen, teen Spirit, that's what you wanted. Yeah. You know, you saw Dave Grohl on the drums with long, greasy hair. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted. I would even say it's right about then, right here, is when I started paying attention more to music. And started yep. really paying attention to what was on the radio and started forming my opinions of music was right in here. Yep. Yep. And so you you had your big bands, you had Nirvana, Pearl Jam, even Radiohead started. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then you're into the, my high school career, it was dominated by Smashing Pumpkins, Beck. Alternative. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yep. You know, the alternative bands. That's what, that's what really, Tupac really took hold yes. in, in the rap side. Yep. You talk about storyteller. Now, granted, I am not, and I will say it, and I stand by it, a Tupac fan. Okay. But I cannot deny the man's influence, mm-hmm. especially over rock or hip hop and rap, because he is one of the greatest he in was, that genre. He was prolific. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, if, if when you think about rap as poetry, I mean, apart from him, I'd say, I would say before he became part of Death Row. That whole that whole situation yeah. to where he then shifted the kind of music he was. Then it became California and excess. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know this when he was singing about what he was going through mm-hmm. and what his culture was going through. I think that was a lot more relevant for me. Now, now, granted, I'm just your average middle aged white guy. So what do right. I know? Right. You know, or what right do I have to <laughs> form an opinion <laughs> about it? But you know that that's how I see it. You know, not you know, having too deep a knowledge of, of that genre. So, but yeah, alternative ruled the airwaves through my middle school career for sure. REM is -hmm. another one. Green day. That's probably the music I still listen to the most to this day is nineties alternative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm listening to the radio, it's one Oh three one, the wave it's all eighties new wave into a little bit of nineties alternative. But it's mostly '80s new wave. That's where I find. If I'm listening to radio, it's X96. There you go. Yep. Still, still. <laughs> yep, that's fine. And this is also where the Beastie Boys really took hold too. Yes. And they started producing just stuff I will still listen to mm-hmm. to this day. I I I love it. I just the Beastie Boys have all my respect. Yeah. You know. For yeah, what they were I agree. To do. And I think most of the hip hop and rap community will say the same. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But then we hit the 2000s, and I think. Oh boy. <laughs> this is where <laughs> I have disconnected. Okay. From music as a whole. Um, this is where I, I will not listen to most of these artists that came through. I will say I am a little bit into that because I was still in high school in yeah. the early 2000s. And so I did listen to a bunch of that stuff. But, yeah, that was only from like 2000, like 2003. Right. Up until right about then is when I was just kind of, yeah, yeah. and Stop and paying I, attention. And I can't go through the 90s without saying I wasn't a fan of the Spice Girls because I was. Sure. <laughs> sure. They yeah. were just as much on the radio as everybody else. Yeah. As as big as NSYNC, as big as the Backstreet Talk Boys. Talk about influence. They were huge. Yeah. I mean, there was no girl group that were selling as much as yeah. they were. Yeah, except you, maybe Diana Ross and the Supreme <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, you drug me to Spice World. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> we may have been the only two guys in that we movie. Were. That's right. I drug you to the Power Rangers movie, so That's it's, right. That's it's, right. a, it's a give and take. And I think the sequel as well. <laughs> Did I see the sequel too? You pr- I may have. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so 2000s. Yes. Now, most of these artists still persist to this day, including, you know, Beyonce, mm-hmm. Eminem, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. 
Britney Spears was huge. Oh, yes. Linkin Park, Lady Gaga, Kanye West started. Yeah. Um, Usher, Nickelback, Alicia Keys. All these people came through in the 2000s. Yeah. But I am hard-pressed to listen to or like any of that music. Yeah. For me. Any yeah. of those artists that I named, I will not listen to. <laughs> I, I won't. I Granted, I will listen to Beyonce occasionally. Sure. <laughs> you know, very select few of her songs, but... I'll and Eminem occasionally. And Eminem. Yeah. But... As much as uh, people respect Linkin Park, I never listened to Linkin Park. I didn't, I, I did. I didn't like Linkin Park. Yeah. Um, Chester Bennington, you know, rest his soul. I didn't like the scream. Right. I right. didn't like it. Yeah. I, w- I was. I was. You know, an emo teenager in the <laughs> early two thousands. So I was all about it. Yo, know, when, when that came on the radio, crawling. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, nope. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Blink 182, that was another one. Ugh. I could Ugh. not get I can't listen to it. No. That no. is the band I hate the most. I hate that band. They they're down there for me. Yeah. For sure. They are my least favorite band of all time. I I can't stand them. Yeah. I it's just no. Mm-mm. And so once you get out of the two thousands, because let's hurry and get out of two thousands, because I <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> I didn't care for them. You get in the 2010s, and yeah. still, who's persisting? But Eminem is one of the best-selling artists. Mm-hmm. See, is still there. And so this is what I was saying earlier. He's an artist that knows who he is, what he wants to say, and he will continue to do it unapologetically. Yes. He's not out doing you know this pre-produced nonsense, the cookie-cutter mm-hmm. disposable nonsense. He has something to say. Yes. And he has a fan base to say it to. Adele kicks in. Taylor Swift is still there. Um, Ed Sheeran and Drake Ugh. both take hold. Ugh. And I, admittedly, I can't name a single Drake song or that I've ever heard one. Mm, I might have and didn't know it. I don't I, know. I have no idea. Ed Sheeran, yeah, I've heard Ed Sheeran. I just find him boring. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's very you boring. Know, he's like that guy that you'll go down and you'll he's singing on mm-hmm. in a bar with his guitar. No, actually with Drake, he did that YOLO song. YOLO. Yep. Didn't hear it. I I know that one. Start from the bottom, now we're here. I know that song. But that's it. Yep. So Katy Perry, Bruno Mars, mm-hmm. they all uh, you know, took off. I I'll still listen like you said, I'll still listen to Uptown Funk. Yeah. And get as much enjoyment. Yeah. Every single time. That's one of those happy songs for me. Sure. I will listen to that and it'll just make me happy. Bruno Mars, he's he's a very talented guy. He's a very yes. talented musician and artist. And so I, I can appreciate him for that point of view. I haven't heard a lot of his stuff. But what I have heard, I have thoroughly enjoyed. And here's the thing. He will hearken back to a lot of 70s funk. Yes, and I think that's why I like a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff, because um, it's very, you know, throwback oriented. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Um, again, One Direction starts <laughs> taking hold here. You know, they're and gone. Yep. And uh, it's funny because you'll look back at interviews of their fans like, oh, they'll be around for blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of our nieces may have got tickets to that show at one point. Probably. But I think they broke up <laughs> prior to the show. I wouldn't doubt it. I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, 
<sighs> it I, feels I like it feels like they lasted six months. Like I'm not sure how long they lasted, but it feels like six months. Yeah, yeah. Because because how could they last? Yeah. I mean, they just wouldn't. It's again pre-produced disposable mm-hmm. nonsense. They're trying to start up the boy band thing again, and it just didn't work. It didn't. No. Because they they there's just nothing appealing. Yeah. It wasn't new, like when you know Backstreet Boys and NSYNC mm-hmm. did it. Um, new Kids on the Block, to an extent, yeah, um, really kind of kicked it off. But that was just kind of put away mm-hmm. for you know what was cool about that was gone. Yeah, pretty much society <laughs> said we're done with that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what surprised me about today with BTS coming back because that's right. what they are. Right, they're a seven-piece South Korean boy band. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think people like them specifically. Now, granted, they're not for my demographic. Sure, <laughs> they're just not. They're, they're not a preteen girl. I am not. Oh, okay. Believe it or not, and so that's what they. That's what I think appeals to these preteens. It's just their smooth little pretty boy face. They're very androgynous. Yes. Yeah. They're and very. So, they're they're not threatening. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're very pretty boys. They I'll are. Say that they are. Because I went through. And I was t- I was going to be fair to this. I listened to their music as much as I could stand <laughs> until I realized it is all the same. Yeah, it's the same beat over the same chord progression and harmony, all auto tuned, all pre produced, and all disposable. Yeah, they're going to last as long as One Direction mm-hmm. did. I bet you by this time next year. Or maybe the year after, if they're lucky, nobody will be talking about them. Yeah, for right now, it's about it's the it's it's the look, it's the you know the showmanship. It's yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all they really got going for them at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. And then um, you have people. This is what I I get so frustrated when it comes to. And again, it may not be my demographic. These names of these artists that I think they're just looking at random things and coming up with names. <laughs> People like The Weeknd. Okay. People like Juice World. People like that. It's like, these are not names. Mm-hmm. These are just things. Chance the Rapper. Chance. Megan the Stallion. Yeah. Yeah. With T H E E meaning you. Yeah. Which makes no sense to me. It doesn't. <laughs> but, but again, yeah. And. They have their niche, obviously, sure. but I don't think it can last. And I really don't think, because the biggest selling artists of 2020 are as such, according to this list, Okay, which was BTS, you know, from 1 to 10, Taylor Swift, Drake, The Weeknd, Billie Eilish, Eminem, Post Malone, Ariana Grande, Juice World, and Justin Bieber. Of those, I would say the ones that have the biggest chance of sticking around, Taylor Swift. Um, just because she's already been. Yeah. She's been around for a while. She's been around for a while. I mean, she jumped genres and mm-hmm. still succeeded. And um, and honestly, Billie Eilish. And that bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't stand the whisper singing. Right. It irritates me. And um, I think... <laughs> I don't know her personally, obviously, but that just dumbfounded, angry, stoner look in every single picture of hers. Right. 
just grates on my nerves. <laughs> and yeah, it's just I, and I don't like her music. I just don't. That's fair. I mean, it's it's. So I went and listened to I went and listened to Juice World mm-hmm. as well, and. I would say if you added six other guys to Juice World, he would become BTS because that's what the music sounds like. I've never even heard of Juice World. Yeah, but it's spelled Juice and then W R L D. If you're wondering, all in caps. Right, but apparently right. That, that's his thing. But um, I will say, the weekend, I can appreciate his music. Okay, because it's it's very reminiscent. Because I listened to one of his songs and I thought it was. The Neverending Story from 1984. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Right. You know that song? Yes. Lamal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- yeah. Neverending Story. That song, one of his songs started, I'm like, is this never? And it was The weekend. I'm like, so I ended up listening to the whole song and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. And so I may have to start listening to a bit more of his stuff, <laughs> but uh, I can appreciate what I did listen to. I listened to bits and pieces about four or five songs. Mm-hmm. And it's all very reminiscent of early '80s new wave. That's what it feels like. I guess he, yeah. I guess to amend my statement, he's probably the other one on that list that probably has the best chance of stick around, sticking for a bit. around. Yeah, yeah. So. because at the little I know about him, it doesn't seem like he's in any sort of particular category. Like he's not really following, you know, music trend at the moment. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's where we are. And so looking back. I think once we got out of the 90s and and just got into more of the pre-produced mm-hmm. music is where I disconnected right. entirely. And so any playlist I have, anything like that, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything outside of 1999. <laughs> mm. You know, I'll be honest. Okay. Unless it's Uptown Funk from 2014. Right. You know, I don't see... <laughs> I don't see much else creeping into what I'm going to listen to. Mm. And maybe a lot of that's my age. I mean, for heaven's sake, I'm on the tail end of 44. Right. You know, coming up on 45. And so, yeah, I, I may be that old man who's like, it's just noise now. Right. You know, and and I can appreciate where people come from with that because you're just, it means, all the music I grew up with means more to me than what I'm hearing now. Yeah. Because they're for me, it's not as appealing. It's not as meaningful, and maybe I'm just not letting it be that way. I think, I think if there if there was an artist that were to come out, say the next ten years, that broke through that mold, that changed the game like the Beatles did or Nirvana did, I think you, I think you would probably. You would appreciate it. Yeah. And I think you might, depending on the song, you'd, you'd probably listen to it and probably enjoy it. Yeah. Problem is, that's just not the case at the moment. There's and just that's the thing. There's just nobody that's doing that. No. And I don't think that's their goal. I think the majority of these artists that are coming out now have one specific goal in mind. Make as much money as you can with this single. Mm-hmm. Because who knows if you're going to be around tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So get it out there, oversaturate it, put it in every movie, every commercial, everywhere anything is played. Let's make sure it's out there. Yep. Collect your check and move on. Yeah. Make sure you get, you know, a certain number of downloads. Yeah. If it if it's you know, if it's an earworm on TikTok or something, you know, all the best. Yep. Yep. All the better. I think that's all people are going for. They're not looking for what the artists 
that we grew up with were looking for. Just they had statements to be made. They mm. had stories to be told. And, and you know, they were really looking into the more art, the artistic aspect yeah. of and, music. And to be fair, they were all about the money, too. Let's it's be true. honest. It's true. But yeah, I think you're right. When they, if they do, when they would sit down and, and write a song, it, they wanted to have a message. Right. They wanted to say something. They wanted to have some sort of meaning. And you're right. I think that's at this point kind of lost. Yep. Yeah. Even John Lennon said it to, uh, to Tom Snyder on his show. He said, you know, they were talking about groupies. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you don't get into music. Without hoping to get a little extra, Tom. And Tom's like, a little extra what? You know, he's acting all naive. Like, yeah. Extra, you know, women, sex, Tom. He's like, so. Oh, so you guys got into music for the sex? Like, well, that's part of it. <laughs> you know, he admitted it. He's like, yeah. Money, the fame, and the girls. That, that's all it was. Yep. So. All right, there you go. Um, another fairly long episode, but. I think this was really good. I really enjoyed this episode. So did I. Yeah. And uh, you know, didn't touch on country music all that much, and I apologize. <laughs> there are there are artists I will listen to that I enjoy in country. In yeah. fact, one of my all time favorite Christmas songs is by a country artist. Right. And so you know, George Strait's Christmas Cookies. Mm-hmm. Listen, to, I love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, I'll listen to Brad Paisley. Everything else he. Anything he, I don't even know if he's still making music. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about, you know, early artists. I'm so disconnected from that genre. I'm not even sure. I've been known to listen to a Garth Brooks song every now and again. There you go. And he was just here not too long ago. Yeah. Surprisingly. I had no idea he was even coming. Yeah. But. All right. Um, Well, thanks for listening. If uh, if you did, uh, you can. If you want to listen more of our episodes, you can find us wherever you download podcasts. uh, We're. Our tentacles are starting to reach out. Um, They're spreading. Yep. So uh, if you do like this, you know, like it, share it, pass it along, and then uh, tune in next week to hear the brothers ramble about another topic. Until then, talk to you later. See you.